politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Miniman standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, our property, our way of life. Everything is on the table. Everything needs to be defended. And offensive action again to ensure to ensure that the Fourth Reich cannot ensnare us. This is your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back here today, end of the week, Friday, September 16th. And it's like, yeah, where do you start from? Our borders are under attack. The borders of our personal sovereignty are under attack. You have the transhumanism, transgenderism, shoving transgenderism on the states, violating religious liberty rights of colleges. I have so many stories I want to get to. But it all gets back to one thing. If you actually just simply took the red states and had trifecta majorities of Republicans that actually shared our values, none of this would happen. It would likely deter much of the rest of the country from doing what they're doing, at least to an extent. But certainly you would have an oasis of freedom in those areas. But we don't because we have a phony Republican Party. Why? Because we have a phony conservative movement. And that's what we're trying to fix. So there's a lot going on, you know. I don't know if a lot of you know this, but as everyone's talking about Martha's Vineyard and the Florida governor shipping off the illegals there, and then within 24 hours, they get rid of it because despite their photo ops and virtue signaling, they didn't want them there. But you actually have Idaho Republicans and other Republicans working on an amnesty bill for farm workers, which again sits at the nexus of what helps the food cartel, what drives down wages, what makes rural America subject to a lot of the drug trafficking, by the way, and drunk driving and a lot of the problems inherent in some of these workers, cultural problems as well. And yet, there's no answer other than vote Republican. Oh, who, who's up in the polls in this Senate race? That, that's essentially all you hear about. That and talking points. We have millions of people that are under the gun for blood clots, heart ailments, strokes, cancers, up the wazoo from these shots. And it would be bad enough if they, if you know, we were done with this and we threw those people in jail and mRNAs were thrown out and all this technology was thrown out, we'd never use it again. But we haven't even held them accountable and they are using it again for a flu shot. So we're going to get to this, and then we're going to get to perhaps, again, just like yesterday, we had Doug Mastriano. The only other opportunity to win another DeSantis seat in Arizona with Carrie Lake will join us momentarily. First, a word from our sponsor today. Um, as you prepare for the apocalypse, a brand I recommend is BattleBox. As we go to battle for survival, BattleBox is a monthly subscription for hand-picked outdoor survival and really everyday gear as well. The big thing about them is they give you name, name brand high quality products every month at half the price. So it's very high quality. Their, whether it's their Aquapod emergency water kit, their outdoor stove, their flashlight is amazing. Um, I can never find mine because my son steals it. But it is like a man's toy store. So if you go right now, right now to battle box um and how do you find that at trybattlebox.com is the website 
but I want you guys to use trybattlebox.com slash conservative. Why? Well, if you use our special URL there, you can get a free mystery box worth 115 bucks with any new subscription to their monthly boxes. So that's that's like, you know, a toy store right there. They've shipped over a million boxes since 2015. Um, they've been featured anywhere from the New York Times to Survivor's Edge. Find out why outdoor enthusiasts call BattleBox the best gear I never knew I wanted. And frankly, in this day and age, need. So again, go to trybattlebox.com slash conservative to sign up. Um, for this amazing survival gear every month with your free mystery box for 115 bucks. Okay, so I just want to start off with, you know, as we have Carrie Lake on the show, the power of governors and what they're going to need to do. We, we've mentioned over and over again that first we need people to actually share our values to become governors and, and state legislative leadership. But then there's going to be one big obstacle, and that's the federal courts. Okay, the federal courts. So pick anything we want to do on any issue that matters, and the courts are going to say, no, 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 there's a fundamental right to immigrate. There's a right to cut your balls off and to have the state funded. There's a right to use the other bathroom, all these things. And it is becoming very evident that there is a, a permanent majority on the Supreme Court to codify transgenderism and the homosexual agenda into civil rights, even against religious liberty. And there's a big case I wanted to talk about, and this is going to have bearings on red states as well, even though this is from New York. So there was a New York trial court decision a couple months ago that ruled that Yeshiva University, which is, I think, the oldest Jewish college in the country, has to accept and give full, you know, privileges to the student group association that's LGQFU, you know, A through Z, um, sexual licentiousness codification of, of that behavior into an identity, and that has to be recognized as a group in a college where the whole point is to espouse biblical values, so straight up First Amendment violation. I mean, you couldn't have gotten a worse violation than that. This is quite literally why the country was founded. Um, and they are now saying that you have to do it. You don't have first right, First Amendment rights. They have First Amendment rights. So I want you guys to understand the country we're now living in. So you could be denied entry into every public university on account of not getting a private biological gene therapy that's dangerous into your body or not wearing a diaper over your breathing holes all day, you will be excluded from an entire education. You cannot find a medical school. You cannot find earn a living. You cannot serve in the military, anything, if you don't do that. Yet at the same time, you could force a private Jewish or Christian college to not only accept you, we're not even talking about excluding them, but that you have the right to accept their association and their union, right? It's not like they would, wouldn't be able to get an education be, by account of you know engaging in sodomy at night or whenever they do that. It's that you have to affirmatively accommodate and basically endorse a value that's antithetical to the entire founding of the university. Why am I bringing this up? Because just two days ago, 
the Supreme Court rejected an emergency request for a stay of that court's ruling. What was the opinion? I mean, it was not an opinion, it's a motion, but it was five to four. Now, you might be asking, well, Daniel, don't we now have five supposed conservative justices even without Chief Justice Roberts, right? Well, we do, except we don't. Because, as always, there's a few of them that take turns each time joining Roberts, and the one who does it most often is Kavanaugh, and he didn't disappoint this time, and he did not join with Alito's dissent, who was joined by Gorsuch, Thomas, and Barrett, and... Now, now, they didn't rule on the merits, but they were like, yeah, you know, you could come back to us, but as of now, you have other um, other avenues, either through the state Supreme Court or, I mean, they don't call it the Supreme Court there, they call it something else, the higher court or uh, the uh, federal appellate court. Don't come to us yet. You have other appeals. The The, the problem is they... they they, they do have other appeals on the merits, but in terms of a stay of injunction, they rejected it already. So even if they would win on the merits, they would have to go at least a year, if not several years, indefinitely promoting the homosexual agenda in a Jewish biblical college. So, I mean, all the rules of, of the Supreme Court granting relief, where it's an unambiguous right, clearly you would win on the merits or should, and this irrevocable harm... They should take it up. So they're hiding behind it. Don't get caught up in the procedural stuff. We know exactly Kavanaugh doesn't want to rule on it. Alito said very clearly, the First Amendment guarantees the right to free exercise of religion. And if that provision means anything, it prohibits a state from enforcing its own preferred interpretation of Holy Scripture. Yet this is exactly what New York has done in this case. And it's disappointing that a majority of this court refuses to provide relief. And we're seeing all over. Federal courts, even so-called conservative circuits, forcing Arkansas to fund Medicaid funding to cut people's balls off. Um, to say that hospitals have to allow, including religious hospitals like like St. Joe's, you know, Catholic hospitals, have to uh, perform balls cutting at a time where they could deny ivermectin and and you know breathing treatments with nebulizers, even at your own cost and own doctor. This, this is the Sodom and Gomorrah we live in. And, okay, Daniel, so then, you know, you got to get out of New York. That, that's New York. Well, here's the problem. What about Montana? What about Arkansas? We just mentioned Arkansas. Even in Florida, the, the courts have gone after them on the tranny stuff. The federal courts, federal and state courts, but, okay, you go to a red state, you, let's say you get conservative judges, doesn't matter. The federal courts are going to force this upon you. Which begs the question, at what point do we continue indulging this? At what point do governors start to say, we have an obligation to human rights, constitutional rights, and if the federal courts violate clear dictates of the Constitution, foundational values of the country that are going to destroy our state, we have an obligation to go with the law, not the federal court. Well, we're going to ask Carrie Lake what she thinks about this, because I think this is, this is really important. Because I'm just telling you, this is going to become a big trend. To the, commensurate with how successful we are in pushing governors and legislatures to actually live up to the reputation 
of a so-called red state is going to be how much we're going to be confronted with these federal court opinions. You have to be willing to do the right thing. I'm just telling you, if the states got together and started deporting illegals, they're, you know, the federal courts will say you can't do that. So what are you going to do? Suffer an invasion? So this whole notion that we have this conservative Supreme Court is a complete joke. And, and again, I warned you. I just said, I hope you guys love the abortion issue that much because you're going to pay for that Dobbs opinion. Kavanaugh and, and occasionally Barrett and, and, and even Gorsuch, they're going to make you pay for it by ruling with the left on many other issues just because it's a scorecard and they don't want to appear to be too conservative as if it's conservative to believe that a man's a man and a woman's a woman and that you don't have a fundamental right to force the state to fund balls cutting or bathrooms or whatever and religious institutions to promote your licentious values. I mean, literally the entire history of our country out the window. Now, one right that is being upheld, the First Amendment is gone, but bizarrely, the Second Amendment actually is pretty strong now, partially because that's the one amendment we fought for. We need to fight for the others. All right, so you have the right to bear arms. Do you know how to use them? Do you know how to win a gunfight? That's what we're here for with Patriot Academy's Constitutional Defense course. We're just a week away from their September 25th program, but they have an October 2nd one as well, four days out on the range at the NRA Winnington Center in Colfax County, New Mexico. That is the venue. That is the time. What do we do there? Four days. At night, we study the Constitution. During the day, we are together with the best instructors, the best patriots, learning how to clear malfunctions, how to you know, do a proper five-point draw from the holster, sight alignment, picture alignment, trigger control. It is a, such a fun course. Um, and you will come out confidently carrying your gun with the understanding that if, God forbid, you needed to use it, you would definitely be able to win that gunfight with confidence and save yourself and your loved ones. So join Rick Green and Patriot Academy on September 25th or October 2nd by registering at patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. That's patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. Now, by the way, speaking of the homosexual agenda, um, they announced, thankfully, we get a reprieve that they're not going to push the gay marriage bill before the election. But I'm telling you, they're going to do it in the lame duck. And they might even attach it to that omnibus bill they plan on pushing. So it's all the more reason we have to fight. Next week is going to be the critical week. Call your senators. Do not support any deadline for a CR that will expire in the lame duck, let a Republican Congress deal with it. Not that they will, but it just gives us a chance to to, to fight one more time. But there's a, a very important story related to this. Some of you guys might have seen all over AP that Montana judge blocks anti-transgender birth certificate rule. <laughs> Think about that absurdity. Um, state vows to defy the ruling. So I read it in my my eyes perked up and those of you who are from montana let me know i was going to call around try to find some legislators to explain what's going on but basically they had a simple rule that uh, you can't change your gender on your birth certificate a man's a man a woman's a woman um a couple other states have done this i know tennessee and oklahoma did west virginia did as well um and you know idaho and ohio did but the courts went after them so now 
they got this is a state judge ruled that you can't do that. Of course, transgenderism is codified. Now, again, this is a state court, but they would easily take it to federal court and do the same thing. And pleasantly surprised, they seem to indicate that they're going to continue their State Department of Health rule as of now. That was yesterday. Now, I don't know if that's going to change. But I read that and I was like, look at how easy it is if you have the will and the issue is so simple. A a judge can't come in and say a man's a woman. Okay? An alien is a citizen. It's that simple. This is where it needs to head. This is where it needs to head. Now, I wanted to change gears a little bit to just COVID stuff. I wanted to juxtapose two stories. The efficacy of what was done to COVID patients versus the efficacy of what wasn't done and should have been done, but was blocked. And it just, it it rips your heart apart. It was literally a Holocaust that never had to happen. Almost nobody had to die from this shot. From the, oh, that too. But I mean the virus. And yet millions around the world did for nothing. For nothing. How we could walk away from this without a reckoning. Not just holding accountable, but policies in place to ensure this doesn't happen again. And, and, and an entire reform of our healthcare system. To even the score between independent practice and the cartel. There's a lot of things states could do. Where, where you know, and, and then again, this gets back to research, not just on COVID and, and treatment of vaccine injury, which we need immediately, but even things like cancers and autoimmune diseases. What sort of anti-inflammatory, safe, already approved drugs out on the market have efficacy against them and are being stifled? Well, Danny, you can't have something that could have saved millions of lives that's so cheap, so effective, so safe, worth nothing. You could make it at home. And they would block it. Come on, Daniel. Well, I have news for you. This is from Fortune Magazine. This is not from a right-wing publication. Twice daily nose flushing can reduce COVID-related hospitalization and death researchers find. A study from the Medical College of Georgia at Augusta University has found that flushing your nose twice daily with a mild saline solution shortly after testing positive can drastically decrease your chances of hospitalization death. We're not even talking about the nebulizers and hydroxy and ivermectin and all sorts of anti-inflammatory supplements and vitamins. We're talking about simply... A homemade, you know, they 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 did different things. Distilled water with saline. We used povidone and iodine, which would be even more effective. It literally kills everything. We all know that respiratory viruses sit in your nose, at least initially. And if you would nail it there, you might not kill every last thing at you know from getting into your body. But it's all about viral load, you know. So you at least would prevent hospitalization and death. How much did it prevent? Participants who perform nasal irrigation were more than eight times less likely to be hospitalized than the national rate. 
So they used it in people 55 and older were enrolled. Within 24 hours of the PCR COVID positive test, they were would um would uh put simple saline in their nose. This was done between September 24th and December 21st, 2020, not 2021. So this was known from very early on. Okay, that period of time is we only had about trying to think about 25% of the deaths that we ultimately accrued. About 1.3% of study participants who used nasal irrigation were hospitalized compared to 9.47% among those who didn't. That that that's like a um I don't know, like 85% reduction in hospitalization. That is truly, truly unbelievable. And I believe if you would do both oral and nasal with povidone iodine, it would be even more than that. And we're not even talking about any other therapeutic. Just that homeopathic concoction can make in your home alone. No risk. Okay, I mean, with the povidone iodine, they say, you know, maybe if you have... um you know, acute chronic um, thyroid issues. Sometimes they warn people away from that. But again, you could at least use hydrogen peroxide. You could use saline. There's there's other things you can use. It's the same idea. You know, they they killed bacteria. I mean, that's what they do. That's that's why it's it's a pre-surgical rub. They kill everything on there. And to this day, people don't know about this. You better believe, in my heart of hearts, I, I believe this, that when it comes to cancer, I believe we have the solutions already in circulation that are cheap and safe that I'm not going to tell you is going to cure every cancer for everyone, but would likely keep the cancer at bay indefinitely or for many years for most people in the most vexing cancers, including ovarian and pancreatic, and colon. And unlike chemo, it won't destroy your quality of life. And it's being hidden, and all the funding that we're putting towards Medicare, Medicaid, and research and everything is going towards this. And by the way, I'm just going to tell you, with all the increased cancers that Pfizer's talking about and Biden's talking about, suddenly they want to fund cancer. They, they're getting in on this to promote their same poison. They have the data, by the way. We don't have it. They have it. Because if you look in Medicare and Medicaid billing codes, you would see it. They have access to it. Now, I want to juxtapose. This is what the efficacy, something so simple, doesn't do anything to you. What did they use? Study. Again, this is an old article from April 22nd, 2020, from the beginning of the pandemic. I'm just juxtaposing this. Most New York COVID patients on ventilators died. They studied 5,700 COVID-19 patients hospitalized in New York State's largest health system, Northwell Health, between March 1st and April 4th. And they found 88% of those on ventilators died. 
88%. Now, maybe later on in other places, it wasn't quite 88%. That was the beginning in New York. But you get the point. And to this day, Trump brags about the ventilators. And Jared Kushner was his point man in doing that. Truly, truly disgusting. But before I just throw up and make you all throw up, let's get to our guest and hopefully inject some uh, optimism here. So folks, as we've mentioned, every day, governor is where it's at. We should be at the point in time where we are looking forward to 18 more Floridas. Okay, that's what I counted. We should have 18 more Floridas. Um, And demographically, that is easily achievable if you just look at the states that always voted Trump, um, even with all the anomalies. But really, we only have one or two, and that's very disturbing. So we certainly need to utilize the ones we have. Um, With us today is Carrie Lake, who is really the star of this cycle because governor is what matters, and she's the only one who's speaking our language, focusing on the issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter. Carrie, thanks so much for joining us the first time on the other side of your primary victory. It's so good to be back, Daniel. I'm glad to be here. You're right. States are where it's at. I think uh, we as Americans, many have forgotten that the states created the federal government, not the other way around. We have the power. We are sovereign. And we have a lot more power over our states. And it's especially important as we're faced with tyranny and a level of tyranny that we've never seen in our lifetimes at the hands of the federal government. So that's where I wanted to start. I mean, I never thought we would have to game this out. Often you'll have a disagreement on policy between a state and the federal government. But this is not a disagreement disagreement in policy. We literally have the FBI now criminalizing, and DHS as well, criminalizing and treating as terrorists political beliefs. If you oppose uh, the the administration, you're like, hey, no, I think the state legislatures had the final say in signing off on the electoral slate, not the governor or you know uh, secretary of state. No terrorist. Okay, you, we we could seize your phone. Um, we could seize the phone of anyone related to Trump. So everyone is talking about this, but nobody is saying what they would do. You are governor right now of Arizona, and let's say you have citizens that are on the hook in Arizona um, for you know, being close to Trump. I don't know. Let's say a guy like Andy Biggs or Paul Gosar, because they did this to Scott Perry, you know, the Freedom Caucus guy, saying, you guys were, you know, you believed in the same thing as the protesters did, and that was criminal, so you're criminal. What would you be doing to interpose against the feds today? Well, yeah, I mean, that's <clears throat> that's a frightening hypothetical if they were going to go after a sitting congressman and uh, weaponize these uh, these agencies. Uh, I, I, I would do everything in my power to stop that. And we it, and what are they going to do? Arrest a sitting governor? I, I ask that kind of with humor, but maybe they are. Maybe that's where we're going. If they're going after people for their political beliefs and we've been seeing this nonstop this year. Um, we need to be able to step up and stop it because it's unconstitutional, it's illegal. And I believe that in this last SCOTUS session, they, kicked, they, they actually cracked open the door in the case of the EPA versus West Virginia to take on these agencies. EPA versus West Virginia decision could have potentially 
significant impacts on both not just the climate change regulations, which is kind of what it was about, but all of these broader agency actions and the repercussions are going to be massive. So I want to explore how we can take that ruling, pushing back against these bureaucrats, lifelong, dangerous, frankly, bureaucrats and these agencies who we did not elect the people who are leading them. And they're coming in and making our lives miserable and now acting in a way that's dangerous and politicized. And I think that that SCOTUS ruling allows us to kick that door wide open and start pushing back against agencies, including the FBI and the IRS. Yeah, I mean, because Congress is not going to do anything about this. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. They might hold some hearings, but obviously it's in the states where they're starting to grab people. And, you know, we typically always had reciprocity and cooperated with other states, cooperated with the federal government. But if they're literally sending down people to violate human rights, I mean, you know, this is where where state power comes into play. Um, Mm -hmm. Another similar point where the the feds are engaging in obviously mass human trafficking. It's been a centerpiece of your campaign. Uh, Everyone's talking about the Florida governor and the Texas governor having uh, flown in some illegals to some of these liberal enclaves like uh, Martha's Vineyard. Um, but, you know, obviously, ultimately needs to be staunched at the border. They need to be removed from the country. Have you thought about this? Part of the reason why we don't clash much with the federal courts is because red states aren't red. So, frankly, they're not doing too many good things. But the few good things they do, the liberals take it to federal courts, and the federal courts are now saying a man's a woman. We talked about this earlier today with these a lot of these transgender rulings. You have to fund through Medicaid transgenderism. You have to allow castration. You have to um, allow changing of birth certificates. This happened in Montana uh, yesterday. Um, in, in, in New York, they ruled that uh, a religious institution, a religious college has to have a, you know, a transgender association that violates their, their, um, values. What do you think a governor could do to push back against some of these court rulings? I know I mentioned a lot there. There's, there's illegal immigration, there's religious liberty, but you get my point that, that, you know, Abraham Lincoln says, we the people are the rightful masters of both Congress and the courts, not to overthrow the Constitution, but to overthrow the men who pervert the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's a tough hill to climb because no one else has done this yet. But have you thought about the problem of the courts? Because the Ninth Circuit has really dogged your state for, for a, a generation. It sure has. And thanks to President Trump, it's it's we've got a few more sane minded justices sitting there that it's made it a little bit better. But we've been trapped in this, um, I believe, politicized court for a long time. Uh, you know, I these are a lot of hypotheticals. I will do everything in my power to push back against federal overreach. You know, the feds, federal government owns 40 percent of the land mm. in Arizona. And they don't manage it well. We, we have a joke. We don't call it the land management. We call them land mismanagement. Everything they touch is, uh, is not run properly, is not run well. The government, as I, I, I joke when I'm on the campaign trail, I want to get the government out of your business. The government can't even run the government, and they want to tell you how to run your business. But, you know, we've just seen – we feel it more than I think other states because – 40% of our state land is owned by the feds. They mismanage the land. They don't let us thin the forests. The forests are so thick and these trees are sucking up all of the water. You know, we don't have a lot of excess water to allow 
mismanaged forests to suck up our groundwater. Mm. And they won't let us do a damn thing about it. And we, and, and I am going to push back. And a lot of it's going to be communicating the issues. We haven't had a good communicator in the governor's office here in a long time who can communicate the issues of Arizona and how they impact the rest of the nation. And let me tell you, when we have overgrown forests, every year during fire season, everyone's on pins and needles waiting for these forests to go up in smoke, up in flames, and destroy and burn down towns because of the mismanagement by the federal government. Not only that, it's, it's affecting our water. We've got water issues in Arizona. We need to preserve every drop. If we get to a point where we have to have more and more of our, ag, our agriculture and our farm fields go fallow because we don't have water, then we're looking at a food crisis. And I want to remind this country that if you enjoy produce and salad in the winter months, whether you're in Connecticut, Minnesota, South Dakota, it's coming from Arizona. It's coming from Yuma County, Arizona. We grow the food you eat in the winter, almost all of it. And we need to have a, the nation look at our water issues and how the federal government is torturing us by their mismanagement of our forests while they suck up all that water that they shouldn't be. So there's a lot of areas, and I plan to be, a, I'll be a loudmouth, and I will, I will be pushing back and explaining to people why the federal government has gone rogue when it comes to dealing with the states, and we're not going to let them push our people around. We're not going to let them break the constitutional, uh, uh, take our constitutional rights away from us, especially if it's at the hands of these lifelong bureaucrats in agencies who have not been elected to represent the people. Not, not, not a single one of these um, big edicts promulgated have passed Congress. Again, yeah, I mean, they're all through the agencies. And speaking of that, uh, Biden just came out with his biomedical order um, to promote um, genetic engineering that will enable them to code human genes like you code software and computers. That paraphrasing, but that's a pretty uh, close quote to that order. Um, we have a lot of problematic technologies coming down. I mean, I think it's very clear these ain't your grandfather's vaccines. They have now mRNA flu shots they're going to be pushing in RSV. Um, and we now know there is z literally zero backstop. Okay, we all know the joke with the eight blind mice that there is quite literally nothing that pharma could produce that the, F the FDA is not in on. Um, the, the cop has become the robber. So... In Florida, you have the Department of Health that's now serving as a backstop. They're saying, wait, wait a minute, we're going to independently look at the politics, the science, where this is coming from, and we're going to independently make recommendations, and we're not going to participate with something that's dangerous. I look at your state, yep. and there's a Republican administration, but that Department of Health is indistinguishable from your neighbor in California. Have you thought <laughs> about... Right. Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. not, I know you're not going to divulge who, department getting an, but that's but, the first department getting an overhaul <laughs> when I take office. What they did, what they pushed in Arizona to destroy lives, They're, the uh, edicts that they pushed when it came to public health destroyed our health, destroyed lives and was terrible policy. Supposedly, they have medical backgrounds. Did they not think that shutting people down, forcing healthy people to quarantine and all of the, uh, the things they push with masks on our children? I'm not a, a medical expert, but I knew that having our children breathe in their CO2 all day was dangerous. And I knew there were studies out there. 
And they ignored all of that and went with Fauci and company. And I say Fauci and company because it really was a business for him taking all kinds of kickbacks. They went with his nonsense instead of using their own medical training and common sense. And they hurt people because of that. We are going to bring people in with common sense and a medical background who understand that what they're pushing on the public has ramifications that are very serious. One of the ways that they're pushing this, that's that's um, it's kind of the hallmark of the era we live in. Often the government won't directly push something. Sometimes they will. But they're, they're, we don't have a free market anymore. I mean, I think that's cl- clear. Everything that is created in every industry has been manipulated through eras of not having a free market, uh, culminating with the shutdown, which totally just, you know, tilted the playing field away from small business to the large conglomerates. So you now have a scenario where so-called private industry is pushing a lot of tyrannical, harmful policies. And what I find to be a big obstacle in these other red states, working with some of my friends in the legislature, is that the governors will often say, well, I don't like it, but a private business could do what they want. But it's not coming from the private. It's all manipulated by the federal government. Without what they're doing, they would never on their own say that you have to do something as illogical as wear a mask to go to the doctor. But to this day, no matter how much that policy has been repudiated, disproven, it's harmful, um, you know, people who are very have a lot of uh, health issues and they have to go to the doctor often. They are forced to wear a mask everywhere they go in um, in the healthcare setting. Would you feel comfortable saying, look, we have anti-discrimination laws. We have ADA laws. We're going to apply them evenly in Arizona. This is not going to happen anywhere. Yeah. You know, I. I- I'm all for a private business running their business the way they want, the way they feel they should, the way they know how to and the best for um, their business survival. But that doesn't mean you can take away people's right to breathe and and force (laughs) experimental medical shots on people. And there's a problem there. That's not about your business running. That's about hurting someone's ability to have medical privacy and have medical freedom. And I think medical freedom and medical privacy supersedes all that. Mm. This is the most basic stuff here. These, these shots were experimental. These shots had serious side effects that were not being reported because the, even the fake news was in on it. They were, getting, uh, they were getting money. They were taking money from the federal government to tout these shots and not report on the serious and even fatal side effects. And it's cost people their lives. And we will not allow that to happen. That's not about running your business. That's about making sure we're not trampling on people's own rights of autonomy, bodily autonomy. It's, um, it's, it's going to stop, and we're going to work with the legislature. This is why it's so critical, Daniel, that we get out and vote. We have to vote Republican up and down that ticket. Because this last session, you know, we had a, <clears throat> a slight majority, but there were a few rhinos in there who jumped in the way of every uh, piece of legislation that would help out on fronts like this. So we need to have a red tsunami, and we need to get some common sense legislation to protect people. And let me tell you, there are Democrats who are waking up to what happened during the pandemic, during this you know, uh, COVID crisis, that Fauci was ruling over us like he was some sort of a sick, twisted you know, uh, czar, 
And it was outrageous what he pushed on us. The man has blood on his hands as far as I'm concerned. And I'm really happy that we've got Senator Rand Paul pushing to get answers. I think that Fauci at some point will eventually face charges for what he did to the American people. And we'll do what we can to protect that. It's, not, it's one of my top priorities to protect people's medical freedom and medical privacy. You know, final issue here I wanted to go over with, I see you've been involved with, uh, had had a little bit of a tussling with the press on this, is, is crime. Um, obviously, we've never experienced this in at least a generation, and it's worse than ever, uh, where you have repeat violent offenders that are just out everywhere, and there are seven ways from Sunday for them to get off, plead down. Um, we, we don't have a legitimate three strikes and you're out anywhere. Um, it's full of loop, loopholes. And at a time when you have the January Sixers or people that, you know, trespass public property getting put into solitary confinement, you have the worst criminals out everywhere. Um, and this is this is a 50 state problem. It's not just New York and California. I mean, we saw these stories from Memphis, Tennessee, Houston, Texas is bad. And I'm, I know you have problems in Phoenix um, and, and some of the big urban areas with a lot of crime. Have you thought about you know, aside from obviously not defunding the police, every Republican says that, and you know they support the police. But in terms of a forward-looking plan to ensure that the people who need to be behind bars are, I, it's interesting that you bring this up, Daniel, because just last night we did a, a press conference on law and order, and this is why we have to be um, very strong on our border. We're having criminals come across. We've got the cartels in control of our border right now. The drugs coming across, pouring into our neighborhoods, killing our people, causing crime to go up, causing homeless, the homeless crisis to explode. We have to have safe streets. We cannot right now hire enough officers to keep our streets safe. Our officers are under fire. The media is attacking them. I encourage people to go to my Rumble page and take a look at this entire press conference. It was pure fire because we went right after the media who's trying to push this false narrative, this BS narrative that's anti-police. And we went right after them and put them in their place and, and talked about cold, hard facts. And so, uh, you know, if, we, if we're going to continue to have this narrative of, of anti-police, defunding the police, we're never going to have safe streets and we have to go a different route, which I believe is the broken windows policing that Rudy Giuliani ushered in when he took over New York City and it was a festering, a town of crime and disorder. And in short order, he brought back order and law and order to the streets. And we're going to do that here in Arizona. They're going to get a very loud message, criminals, on day one. Actually, they're probably getting it now. Take your crime to another state because we're not going to put up with that crap here in Arizona. You and what, um, yep. Go ahead. Just one final point on that with crime. I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, ask you from your uh, your your uh, Arizona in there that I know is a big supporter of yours, Sheriff Mark Lamb. He has an interesting idea in Pinal County with a citizen's posse um, to kind of augment that that uh, role of the police to help them out, get the community involved, get uh, law enforcement to work almost as one with the people. So, I mean, I think that relationship is very important for a number of reasons to have local law enforcement together with the community what do you think of the idea of at a state level trying to fund or offer sheriffs more funding for, for a similar idea 
um, to empower the citizen to maybe work with the sheriff's departments and 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 help with public safety. Mm-hmm. Well, I have Im- immense respect for Sheriff Lamb, and I I would definitely um, you know take that under consideration if we're having trouble finding people to help make our streets safe. Um, you know, if he's got ideas, I'm happy to listen all day to that. And if it makes sense at the state level to do something like that, I'll have to hear more about the plan. Sure. One thing we do here is we vote on um, retaining our judges. And, you know, people don't even know how to vote for that half the time. <laughs> I'm going to use my bully pulpit yes. to out judges. You know, we have these police officers risking their lives, doing the hard work, gathering the evidence to lock up the hard criminals out there that need to be behind bars. And then we get judges who just dismiss the whole case or throw it out. And a week later or less, these same criminals, these repeat offenders are back on the street. We're going to let the public know who these judges are. We've got to move them out if they are not about law and order and crime and punishment. When you take the punishment out, the crime soars. And we have not been properly punishing people for the crimes they're committing, whether it be your car's been broken into, your home's been broken into, whether it be your shop has been looted and raided in broad daylight and nothing gets done about it. We are tearing at the fabric of our society. And if we don't start to get more civilized and bring in law, order, crime, it needs to be prosecuted and punished. Or we will not have a civilization. We're going to go back to barbaric times and it's, it's got to stop now. We need a course correction, and I'm going to usher that course correction in starting day one. Well, you're going to hear a loud chorus of amen from the audience here because that speaks their language. I mean, the, the police are great, but the reality is that they, they just apprehend. And I think that's been forgotten about. There is some focus on the Soros prosecutors, but even in, in jurisdictions where you don't have them, the legal profession is saturated with these type of people. And people would be surprised. A lot of red counties have these random judges and people, people don't know who they are. They're retained every time. So I think that's a terrific point. Uh, I know Governor DeSantis has used his platform also to go after local offices, school boards, similar idea. Um, you know, why I, I think, you know, just to end with this, why should you seed urban areas? One of the things I don't like in these red states is that even the red states, the the cities are as bad as as the blue states. So if we're just relegated to the rural areas within the red state, that's not sustainable. And there's no reason if you're governor, you have control over that state. Localities are less autonomous to the state than the state is to the feds. Um so I just wonder if you have thoughts on that, how to ensure well, that we right. don't lose Phoenix and, and cities like that. A lot of, a lot of these red states, um, a lot of these red states have a lot of blue cities in them. And we have uh, three of our largest cities here are blue cities. They're run by mayors who are, are socialists and at least push socialist policies. And, and so even though the great people of Arizona are living in a common sense state, when, you, when you've got mayors who are uh, pushing uh, nonsense and and asinine policy on them, they're being tortured. I think of the people in Tucson being tortured down there. And so when we're pushing things like broken windows policing, and we want that across the state because we want to bring crime under control, these cities who are refusing that, you know, we're going to have to play hardball with them. Yep. And we'll have to look at state, share, state shared funding. And if we have to threaten to pull that away or pull that away, we will. But we will not allow the great citizens of Arizona to have to live in cities that are looking like zombie apocalypse because of the homeless population that's out of control, crime that's out of control. And that's why I have a policy to deal with 
the chronic street homelessness and restoring quality of life for the hardworking taxpaying citizens who want their streets back. We're going to get people help, lift them up, turn them into contributing citizens in society. And we're going to use tough love to do that, but we will no longer sit back and watch the homeless, the chronic street homelessness grow and watch the helpless citizens of Arizona who are doing everything right, lose that safety, lose the ability to walk on their streets, ride their bicycles, enjoy our beautiful climate without the fear of being attacked or hurt. This is outrageous. We've, we have not put the priorities of the people first, and it's going to change when I'm governor. Perfect. Well, those of you who want a less humid version of Florida, carrylake.com, and that's K-A-R-I lake.com. Thanks so much for joining us, and good luck on the campaign trail. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it. So once again, that was Carrie Lake, the one of the only gubernatorial candidates who actually speaks our language and knows what time it is. And again, it's showing. It's showing in the polls. I mean, she's doing better than the typical establishment candidates are doing. And I've always said, you don't win by being milquetoast. You win by actually forcefully articulating your position. And that's what she does. Um, Talk about your premise, your framework. Don't talk about things on their landscape. But we don't have people like that. I mean, this is the problem. Um, and, and the other important thing is, is you could tell this is someone that we could work with that's open to ideas, that they're, they're, they're thinking about what, what's going to work, not a matter of what does the Chamber of Commerce think? Where is my donors coming from? That's the biggest thing. You, you need to understand with these other Republicans, it's not a matter of an intellectual debate that somehow you could convince them that this is the right thing to do. Oh, wow, you're right. You got me. You can never convince them it's the right thing to do because it's all about money and image. It has nothing to do with you know, convincing them at, at an intellectual level, oh, this is a good policy. It's not about good policy. It's about it's not even about good politics because sometimes it could be a 70 30 80 20 winning issue and they'll still avoid it because it's a hundred zero among the donor class the other way. And you know, she's able to openly say there's a lot of injuries that were covered up from the shot. We don't have too many Republicans to this day even willing to say that. I mean, you have I don't know if you know this, but but Richard Burr, we talked about him a little bit yesterday. He's the rhino from North Carolina. Uh, the ranking member on the Senate Health Committee, you know, uh, Health, uh, Education, Labor, and Pensions. So anyway, he has a bipartisan bill with with uh, Patty Murray called the Prevent Pandemics Act. It literally takes all of the authority that they already used and codifies it and expands it, enhance the development and review of tests, treatment, and vaccines, mitigate and mitigate critical shortages of medical products. Um, improve public health communication and address misinformation. It's literally in a Republican bill. It's crazy. It's crazy. It takes the Fourth Reich and it accelerates it. Improve our capabilities to detect and monitor. I mean, what do you think that's going to do? You literally have them drinking out of the sewer behind every issue. The most vexing issues of our time that are responsible for so much death and mayhem 
civilization destruction, cultural destruction, whether you know economic destruction, whether it's COVID, immigration, transgenderism. It's not just that the Republicans aren't properly fighting back. It's that they're downright on the other side and they're looking to expand upon the Reich, expand upon the abuses of power. That's what it is. You would think, oh, we already repudiated them on, on COVID, right? Everyone's saying Fauci's a jerk. No, they have legislation to empower people like that even more. Oh, everyone recognizes, maybe, Daniel, maybe it's a little bit late. You were onto it 10 years ago, but they finally recognize we have a crime wave. No, they are still going to these Coke-funded confabs pushing um, criminal justice deform. Just this session in certain red state legislatures, they were pushing reduction of sentencing. And believe me, not on, on political crimes. And then there's immigration. Oh, Daniel, now finally everyone's for securing the border. Dude, it's not just about securing the border. The Republicans support the H-1B and the H-2A and H-2B programs even more than the Democrats do. Did you know that? I referenced this earlier. This is from CQ, bipartisan group to spend $8 million to boost migrant farm worker bill. Immigrant advocates and business leaders have not yet given up on the idea to usher through immigration legislation addressing workforce shortages this year. Rebecca Shi, executive director of the American Business Immigration Coalition, announced Thursday the group's advocacy will arm will spend $8 million to promote H.R. 1603. Basically, it's an ag amnesty bill. Basically, if you broke into our country and you're working for the big ag companies, well, we have an amnesty for you. So you could stay here, become a public charge, they could pay you slave labor, and eventually you'll have a pathway to citizenship. Do you know who's pushing that bill? Republican Senator Michael Crapo from, from Idaho, as well as the congressman there, Mike Simpson. They're the leaders pushing this bill, even more than the Democrats are. Do you understand, like, that is literally... Literally, how the cartel controls the food process. That is literally, single-handedly, what has turned rural America, in many places, into the same morass as the cities. Right? We think of illegal immigration as like an urban problem. But what the farm labor has done is it brings it in to these nice areas. And, you know... A lot of times they they might be hard workers, but at night they get drunk. And they typically have, there's three things that they bring in. Sex offenses, including child molestation. I'm sorry, you could sue me, but it's endemic of, of these populations. Drug trafficking and drunk driving. Particularly those three things have been introduced to rural America largely as a result of the farm workers. And they want to bring in more and give them amnesty so they can vote, but still pay them slave wages so then, you know, the public charge is on everyone else. It's, it's, it's disgusting. But I'm just telling you, this is unanimous, nearly unanimous among Republicans, because even a lot of the conservative ones, what sort of districts do they represent? Rural areas. They are owned by the egg lobby. Okay? 
This is where it's at. So behind every issue, the most fundamental issues of our time, if you cut through the rhetoric, you'll find, if you look carefully, they have not changed their views. And not only are they not going to push back against the existing degree of damage from that policy, whether it's crime, immigration, um, biomedical fascism, transgenderism, Ukraine, you name it, they're actually in on helping usher in the next level of destructive policy on those respective issues. <laughs> so it's not even like you could say we're, we're making slow progress. You know, Democrats, you know, are, are, uh, they floor the gas pedal. Republicans have a slower path to, 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 to hell. No, they're part of the same operation. Again, it's not that Republicans are the slower version of Democrats. Republicans are the, the watchmen for the Democrats as they arson the building. They're working with them to ensure that no legitimate opposition arises. Every once in a while in the election cycle, you get lucky and uh, you, know, you get one or two. But I'm going to go back. I'm going to end off the week with something I've been really passionate about. If you look at the laws in your state, you'll find that the need for rep, uh, for d- direct primaries in many states is not a statutory rule. It's a party rule, and you could change that within the party. And if we would go towards representative conventions where people who know what they're talking about would select the nominees and the industry money would no longer matter, you would get a lot more carry lakes per election cycle. So that's where it's at. But that is definitely going to be an important race. And that's the thing. Notice rather than be like, oh, just vote Republican. I I know Kerry had to join the bandwagon. She also said vote Republican. But I'm going to selectively have on the ones that matter. Okay? The ones that don't matter, I don't care about. And the ones that are subversive, I would downright ensure we don't, you know, they, they don't win. It is worse to have subversive Republicans than no Republican at all. And we're going to learn that the hard way. But anyway, we had a very long, productive week. As always, I need you to send this interview, the show, to every one of your friends, relatives, uh, co-workers. This show is like none other. It is truly independent of of all the false choices. You know, uh, Republican, Democrat, and all that sort of gobbledygook. So... Hope you guys have a terrific week. Follow us on Telegram at C19 Truth Bombs. Make sure you drop me an email at Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com. Till Monday, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.